Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. The reason initially I talked about people problems and God solutions. I want to just put in there practical, but I want you to understand from the beginning, all the practical solutions are God's solutions. Wisdom comes from God, doesn't really come from man. Anything that you and I have that's wisdom really comes from God in our experience. So these solutions that Paul is going to talk about would enable the church, the believers, to see how to actually live in this corrupt society. Society today is moving further and further from God's ideal for it every day. You see and hear about all kinds of things that God warns against being celebrated. This influence sometimes even extends to the church. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about another church that had a similar problem, the Corinthian church. You'll hear that a lot of wild things were going on there, things you might not see in a church today. You'll also find out how God's Word can speak to every situation with incredible wisdom. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Acts chapter 18 as he begins his introduction to this book. It's an interesting thing as the Apostle Paul will be sharing so many amazing principles. If there weren't any people, then the Apostle Paul would have never written 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. But of course, by definition, a church is what? People. Not very different, just ordinary people like you and me. As we study the New Testament letters, it's important to understand the times that they're written in. Because that's the context that you and I have to study from. And we take that context, what was the scripture saying to them then? And then we extrapolate it to what is the spirit saying to us now? And of course, we don't change the doctrinal principles, but sometimes the application will change because of the circumstance or the setting of the location of the church. The background of any book is invaluable to us. So we're going to spend a little time just going through this so that as we set the stage over the next few months as we go through it, you'll kind of always be able to come back and remember it. Sometimes in some of the books, there's a question about the author. There's no question about the author here. This is Paul. And it's the church in Corinth. Somewhere about in the first century, about 55 AD, it was written by Paul during the end of his ministry in Ephesus which he was there actually for three years. And you're going to see he visits Corinth on his second missionary trip. And we'll go there in the book of Acts in chapter 18 in a few moments to follow that through. As he goes there, you'll see that the heart of 
Paul was always Jew first, and then to the Gentile. That didn't mean that he didn't go to the Gentile, because normally the Jew first, as you'll see, weren't really very receptive, and so he'd always go there. And so we'll see a lot of people interplaying when he finally left. He was about 18 months in Corinth. When he left that, he went to Ephesus, and while he was there toward the end of it, he got these reports that the church of Corinth was having all kinds of issues. So that's when he wrote it. They weren't having the issues when Paul was there. It was later on, and he would write this first epistle to them. As the church got established by Paul, it was mostly Gentiles, exactly the same for for us today, of course, here. And uh, the problem was they were unwilling to kind of take their background that they'd come out of, you'll see what that is in a moment, and really change. So we talked about the world squeezing us in. The world had squeezed them in when they repented. They had a hard time separating from those past habits that they were there. Let me just picture you. I'd like you to do this. You're thinking about going to this church. And you've been praying about it, and the elders of the church have called you and said, we'd like you to think about coming here and being the pastor. And so if you ever do that, you want to ask a little bit about the church, what's the church like, who are the people, whatever. Let me just give you the list of what this church that you'll cover in 1 Corinthians. Just see if you'd like to be the pastor of this church. Here we go. The church was racked by divisions. Powerful leaders promoted themselves against each other in the church, each with a band of local followers. One member is having an affair with his stepmother, and instead of disciplining him, many in the church went, right on, enjoy your freedom. Believers sue each other in court. Next. Some believers like to visit prostitutes, and as a result, there's a faction in the church that's now promoting the opposite of that. You can't ever get married, complete sexual abstinence, celibacy is the only way for a Christian to live. Had enough? We have more. New believers argue over the role of marriage and divorce. Still others debate how decisively new Christians should break from their past. There are disagreements about the role of men, and the role of women in the church. Spiritual gifts, especially speaking in tongue, are abused right during the church services. There's amazing confusion about communion. It has become actually a party time in the church. And some of the new believers don't even believe in the resurrection at all, even the body of Christ. Now, anybody here want to be the pastor? No takers, probably. Well, this is what Paul's going to write to in his book. It's just some of the things that Paul has to write to. So what is the purpose of the book? Pretty plain. To simply identify these problems in this worldly church and give God solutions. Now, the reason initially I talked about people, problems, and God's solutions, I want to just put in there practical. But I want you to understand from the beginning, all the practical solutions are God's solutions. Wisdom comes from God. 
doesn't really come from man. Anything that you and I have that's wisdom really comes from God in our experience. So these solutions that Paul is going to talk about would enable the church, the believers, to see how to actually live in this corrupt society. Now, I think it's interesting we're doing this. Moffat said this, this church was in the world as it had to be, but the world was in the church as it ought not to be. The church, they were in the world, but they were part of the world. You couldn't tell any difference from them. So first thing for you to write, what is this book going to do for you? Why would we study it when not all those same problems, of course, are in our campuses and our churches, but we have plenty of others because we have people. Here's why. The study of 1 Corinthians helps us, not just them, helps us to learn how to not become like our pagan world. That's the stretch we have. And as you see more legislative things go through, it's going to be very difficult for the church to stand as it was in the day that Paul wrote this. Now, for us to get an idea of how Paul got there, we need to go back and see how he arrived in the second missionary journey. So if you will, turn to Acts chapter 18. This is really just an introduction. Acts chapter 18, verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Now, this is about 50 AD, something like that. So take a look on the overhead and you'll see a kind of a picture of what that looks like. You can see in the blue, Athens. And if you've been to Greece or whatever, when we did the footsteps of Paul, in fact, Pastor Dave and Barbara with us, when we did that, we, we were in both of those places. And it's very close. So when Paul leaves Athens, we'll talk a little bit about that tonight, he moves right over to Corinth. So it's not a long distance, but the cities were very different. The cities were very different. So there he is moving into that area uh, near the Mediterranean Sea. Now, the cities of Athens were about 50 miles apart. Athens was culture. Athens was learning. Corinth was commerce. But the thing they were known more for than anything else was immorality. You've heard this statement. Whatever happens in Las Vegas... Where'd you hear that? (laughs) Whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, whatever happened in Corinth was talked about around the world. It was known as an immoral city. So it wasn't kept there at all. It was touted, kind of like South Beach down in Miami now. No, Corinth was a major cosmopolitan city, a seaport, in huge amount of trade. That means it became international all over, including North Africa and Italy and Asia Minor and people and traffic. I mean, just a super busy, many of you have been to different ports around the world. It's just like amazing. If you go to China, some of those ports, is, Hong Kong is one that's just an amazing port to be in because from all over the world, just constantly people, well, this is it. And as this began happening, Corinth, like most Greek cities, It was a high city. They had a high worship thing, an Acropolis. 2,000 feet used for two things, defense and worship. Now, the most prominent edifice in the Acropolis was an amazing temple 
to Aphrodite, or in Roman terms, Venus, the goddess of love. So picture this. This is the town you're in. You're going to raise your children there. Every evening, a thousand priestesses who were religious prostitutes, they lived and worked there, and they came down in the city to offer their services to male citizens and, of course, foreign visitors from all over the world. They would sell themselves, bring the money back to the pagan temple. This was religion. These were the people Paul's going to. Going to try to speak to them and explain to them, because it had been going on for centuries, this is not God's way. This isn't religion. And because of this, it became a center for even way more grossly immorality. And uh, Corinth was simply, around the world, a byword. And it simply meant this, impure and sensual. That's the place. Now, into this city, Paul comes. I want you to turn just for a moment. We know from Scripture, remember, let's see how good you are with your map. Where did Paul just come from? Athens. How many miles away? 50 miles away. He just came from there. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians. You're right there. But I want you to turn to chapter 2 for a second. I just want to highlight this. Most scholars believe that Paul came to Corinth, not because he, he wasn't led by God. Of course he was led by God. But he came a little discouraged. Now, if you talk about people, people get discouraged. Can I hear an amen? We all, you say, well, Pastor Mark, I never get discouraged. Other people lie. <laughs> we all get discouraged. Many people believe that Paul came into this city discouraged. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence of superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing, uh, know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear. And with much trembling. Now my message and my preaching were not with wise and pervasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Now, we don't really know, because the Bible doesn't tell us everything, but we have some kind of an understanding that the discouragement and weakness could have come from two or three things. One, the ministry in Athens was very difficult. You remember, in spite of all of his work there, not many were converted. In fact, no church was established. Now, there's a church plant, and no church was established. That happens. Church planting is very difficult. And Paul probably could have been discouraged because so few people came to the Lord. Second, when Paul came to Corinth, he came totally alone. He was by himself. And number three, as he walked into this city, if he thought the last city was difficult. Remember, Athens, uh, God's for everything. And Paul says, let me speak to you about the unknown God that you don't know. And I want to introduce you to him. But many people were interested. So he comes into this city. And as he's walking in, he's probably thinking, I already know the history of this city. God, why did you send me here? Well, God sent him there for a reason. So even though he arrived discouraged, God will immediately begin to encourage him. And I just want to speak to you because you'll see encouragement from God in many ways. People, problems, practical solutions is God's encouragement. Now back to Acts chapter 18, verse 2. When Paul came, what happened? There he met a Jew named Aquila 
a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife, Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome, and Paul went to see them. At Corinth, Paul immediately, God directed, formed a friendship with this couple. Now, there's debates as to whether they were already believers or weren't believers. I would lean more that they were believers, not just Jews, but they were believers in Christ. Again, Claudius had them exiled out, got rid of all the religious people. And I think they were probably already believers and probably came from Rome where a church already existed. Now, this friendship would continue actually through Paul's life. God knows in our lives when we're disappointed how to keep us encouraged. And I want you to write this because... As we go through, there's lots of wonderful things about people in this book. Here's the next thing you want to write. People, friends, can encourage us. See, people can discourage us. You understand that. Paul was discouraged. Those people in Athens didn't listen to his teaching. Very few. But he comes and God arranges a couple. People and friends. And we talk to you about connecting all the time. It's interesting. The Jewish Talmud says this. A man without companions is like a left hand. Without the right. It's like the left hand without the right. The Bible is filled with these practical helps. Many people complain to us today, well, they have no friends. Well, if that's true, I have a verse for you. This is encouragement. I'm smiling to you. Here's what I want you to write. I don't want to hear your excuses. I'm going to give you the Bible's answer. Here it is. You must be a friend if you want to have friends. Okay? They said, well, I didn't want to hear that. That's why I smiled at you. <laughs> Pastor Mark, how do you know that's true? Proverbs 18. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. So you have to go out of your way if you're going to establish those friendships. And we hear that. Understand, big church, sometimes difficult to do that. But actually, it's 100 times easier because there's so many people. You can just find one, ask God to direct you. And when you're going to be a friend, you want to be a giver, and you don't want to be a taker. It's not long. If you're a taker, you won't have friends, because all you do is want to take from them instead of give. Focus on being that friend rather than out looking for friends. Invite people. Take them out to dinner, to a restaurant or something. Spend time together with them. By the way, if you're going to be friends with people, it's good to be fun with people. One of the things, the word I use a lot, you hear all the way through this teaching, encourage. It's very important that you and I encourage one another as friends. Because life is tough. Life is very difficult. Now, turn just for a second back to Romans. Keep your finger right there because we'll be right back. Romans chapter 16. I want you to see what kind of friends they were. Paul didn't really know who they were. It was lonely in the ministry. Quite often he'd have a... Timothy or Titus or one of the other guys with him. In this particular case, he came to Corinth alone. Now, look toward the end of his life. We kind of hear Paul writing some different things. Watch what he writes in verse 3. Now, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risk their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. It's obvious that these two stuck with Paul through all kinds of things. I mean, they risked their life for him. Now that's a friend. To be honest, that's the kind of friends we all want. 
But let me just reverse it. That's the kind of friend I want to be. I want to be there for people. Not a, you've heard it, fickle friend. You don't want to be a fickle. You, you want to be there. Friends that you can call anytime, any place, any, and to come and help you. Great. That's one of the great benefits of this church or any church that has lots of friendly people is to be connected to those friends. When I was doing this teaching, I was thinking of our friends way back before we even had a Calvary Chapel. We had just moved here and my wife was delivering and I can't remember which kid it was or whatever. But we called our friends. I think it was like 2.30 in the morning because she woke me up and said, the water's broke. I said, okay, get in the car. Here we go. And we called our friends like 2 or 3 in the morning. Had to be the second one because we had to leave our son. We had to leave our son there. And so they were out there ready, 2.30 in the morning. Now that's a friend. (laughs) See, and that's what you want. You want to be there for people just like you need to be there and they have been for you. Pay them back. Now, sometimes as Paul traveled around the world, he needed lots of friends. And Paul might have known this. Look at this verse, Proverbs 27. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. I don't only need people to have fun with, to hang with, to connect with. But we need people to help us to run this race of life. We need people that can lovingly confront us. I've needed that all my life. I'll still need it. Now, quite often, it's our spouse We help each other with those things. But sometimes it's a guy speaking to a guy or a gal to a gal, a friend. That's just a friend's way of taking care of us. Why would they do that? Because they love you. Again, you want to speak the truth of love in Ephesians 4.15. You want to do that, but you want to speak it. Now, that means that sometimes when a friend tells you the truth, what's it going to do? It's going to hurt. But it's not going to harm you. It's going to be good for you. It's a great thing to understand. So when you see Paul... He comes in discouraged, but immediately God gives him these people that are going to hang with him. Linda and I have so many wonderful friends in leadership and other pastors and their wives and whatever. You know, that just just huge support for us and for all the pastors and you guys as well. It's just a huge support to us. So I want you to write this down and think about your friendships. Are you an encourager? Are you reaching out? Are you connecting? Do you have some new friends? Are you making sure that you're connected? Friends help us grow spiritually mentally and emotionally. I need that balance in my life, and that's why God's put people around us. Jesus loved to be around people, and he did that for a reason. Now go back to Acts chapter 18, verse 3. And because he was a tent maker, as they were, just another coincidence from God, right? No. He stayed and he worked with them. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark was talking about the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church. He found out that the church in Corinth had problems just like your church might. The cool thing about the stories in the Bible is that they show you that those people weren't superheroes, but ordinary people like you with highs and lows to their lives and stuff that they struggled with. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching in 1 Corinthians. He'll be talking about the Apostle Paul's time in Corinth and some of the people he met. You'll continue hearing about the importance of having good friends in your life. You'll hear about the reality of life struggles and how, if you call out to the Holy Spirit, He will show you the way through. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, People, Problems, and Practical Helps. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a herd